Incredible how the week is flying by. We're at the end of it right now. For those who are tuning in live, beautiful sunny day here. Weekend is coming in. For those who are tuning in, whenever you're tuning in, hope your day is going great. We've been talking a lot about this idea of searching for truth. How important it is that we see truth as an exercise of value into itself. It really does distinguish between the good and the great. If you want to look at people that are good and great, if you look closely enough, you'll see that the people that are great at their jobs, that are experts at their craft, what makes them great is the ability to analyze and review and analyze and review until they get it. It really makes no difference what you're doing. There's a principle when you study something that you don't get it for the first few times. And now that we've gone through the world of neuroplasticity, we understand why that is. Because the first few times your brain is just getting used to the information. As one grows, as there is a familiarity with the information, you sort of figure it out first, you figure it out second, you keep on figuring it out. Then you're able to like get deeper into it. Then you're able to see connections you haven't seen before. Then you're able to like smooth out things that were still non-connected. Right? Think about how that works in our minds. The first time you have a thought, it's like comes in with a couple of strands and the thoughts again and again and again. The way we grow is by repetition. Right? The way the kid learns to speak is by saying chios and chios and chios and chiros and chiros. It's only by repeating and repeating and repeating it enough times so that that kid finally say chirios. There's no getting it right on the first time in anything in life. And the, 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 what I love most, honestly, is when you're sitting in the car playing a song and there's a kid in the back and he's singing the song on top of his lungs and he's saying the words wrong, but it's so cute. So nobody corrects him. They just love it. And he takes all the positive feedback and on his own, he just got to keep on singing because he gets words wrong. They sound wrong. And then he hears it again and he gets it right. And over time, he starts picking up the words. The repetition is what brings out the knowledge. The repetition is what brings out the distinctions that we spoke about a few weeks earlier, how wisdom is based on distinctions. The first time you see people, they're all the same. The repetition of seeing them and seeing them and seeing them, you realize that this group's like this and this group's like this. And although they dress the same, they're not really the same. The more you are familiar with something, the more you can draw, and it would make sense neurologically right because as you've already been able to establish the connections for the base things now your brain is free to create new connections that will then rest on the old connections but the new connections will be much more subtle you'll understand it much more deeply and that's where wisdom comes in that's why people say that experience if you're paying attention leads to wisdom why would that be because well if you've been married for five minutes your relationship to your spouse is sort of new. If you've been married for 30 years, the constant day in and day out with that other person creates a repetition that if you're paying attention and you're looking to grow, you start to understand things much differently. You understand when your spouse says this, what she means is this. I don't know if it works for the guy's side though. I think guys say whatever they want. That's just my opinion. I'm sure guys are more complex than I'm making it out, but mostly guys just say what they say. When, when, when this happens, make sure you get this because the way, they, the way your spouse deals with a birthday may be different than the way you deal with a birthday. 
the way your spouse deals with an anniversary. It may be different. So you're learning the nuances of another human being. That's why it's like a joke that like people that get engaged think like they're in love. Like they have no idea what that even means. Love is the process of giving consistently to another human being until you're solidifying your soul. You need time for that. You can be infatuated. You can be attracted. You can, there's a lot of emotions besides the word love. But they don't know because they've never had 20, 30 years of another human being. So they don't have anything to compare it against potentially. Maybe they have. I don't know. You hear what I'm saying? So what we're talking about these past few days is not I want to get to my goal. So that's why I got to do this. What we're talking about is this is the goal. You see that? The goal that I'm getting to is just to drive me in a direction. I got to build my car so that my car is strong. And as soon as I can build my car, I'm going to hit that goal, but I'm going to hit every goal. If I'm riding a bicycle, every goal is going to be exhausting. But if I built a brand new car, I can go further. If I built an F-16, I can go even further. So I'm going to use a point called an ideal day, called a eulogy, whatever, into the future to say where I want to go. But I'm only using that so that I can start doing something and going somewhere. Because if I don't have in my head where I want to go, as soon as it gets hard, I'm just giving up. Why in the world would I not eat what I want to eat unless I have a goal in my head what I want to look like? Why in the world would I not say what I want to say unless I've got a goal to accomplish something? That goal is going to drive me there. But it's not about the goal. It's about who I become along the way. Well, how do I do that? It's here. It's by understanding who, why we do what we do. And the only way we do that is by reviewing it, by analyzing it, by thinking about it. By looking back in our day. I think I told you a story with my meeting with Rev. Noah Weinberg. Did I tell you that? Andy, did I t tell that story? I gotta ask Andy. Hold on, I'm putting on my chat. Andy, did I not sure. Okay. Everybody knows that Rev. Noah Weinberg was one of the greatest rabbis of the last generation. He started a com a, a, a organization called Aish HaTorah. If you met him, he was larger than life. He single-handedly believed that every single Jew, not single-handedly, but he believed that every single Jew deserves to learn more about their heritage at whatever level they want. He led a movement. He was incredible, a legend. At the end of his life, I got to spend six hours alone with him. God was good to me. God is good to me. I just got involved in Asia, whatever, whatever. They got me six hours alone with this great man. I asked him a million questions. And along the way, he gave me nuggets of advice. And one of the things that he told me was, I asked him, what is the secret to great people? And he said in Hebrew, the word is called cheshbon. Cheshbon in English means an accounting. He says, great people are always making an accounting. They're thinking about their days. They're accounting for their hours. They're accounting for their highs and their lows. They're they're making an accounting. It's called a cheshbon. This used to be standard practice in many of the great people of yesteryear. That's what we're doing right here. Now, the way we do this mostly comes through the form of writing it down. This is called, if I'm remembering this correctly, is retinal activation system, RAS. And what that means is that when you're focused on something, when you're writing, when you're, when you're focusing yourself on something that you're doing, you are 
triggering to your brain that what's in front of you is really important and you're in a way doubling down on the neurons that are being built around what you're doing. Think about how many neurological connections you mean. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Think about how many neurological connections that you make by just thinking. Now, if your brain has to not only think, but it has to actually write, formulate words on a piece of paper or on a screen, it's think about how many more connections have to be made for the same thoughts. You have to focus on it because you're writing it. You can't be thinking of six things at once. You can't be half thinking of it. You have to take general thoughts and articulate them into specific words. That process of being, of narrowing down thoughts to words is a process that requires more neuroactivity. So if you're thinking about life, if you're thinking about why we do what we do, if we're planning and analyzing and reviewing, writing, journaling is one of the greatest tools we can have, not because it's another thing to do because what journaling does is it forces us to articulate our own thoughts and then allows us to put those thoughts out of our head, freeing our conscious mind of having to hold them all the time. We do this for task lists. We don't want to forget. Why don't we do this for reviewing our lives? If I'm going to do something and I can analyze if it's giving or taking, if I have it in my head, it's all, it's all bundled up into ambiguity. If I put it on a piece of paper and I'm able to look at it, now not only if I freed myself, then I have to forget about it, then I have to remember it. I actually have to articulate it, requiring my brain to be much more focused to create more neurological connections so that I'm more aware of what I'm trying to do. And if you ever journaled before, Try doing this, by the way. I did this for years. I still do it now, but for years I was much more specific about it. There's a concept in life called, I think it's three or five pages, something like that. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, research behind journaling in which they say that if you journal every day, let's say three pages a day, sit down, get a book or you know, go to a computer and write every day three pages, same time every single day. Just write, write. What will happen is all those thoughts that are in the back of your head that you've been thinking about, all those things you have, it just comes out, it comes out, it comes out. And after like a month of doing this, you are so much better thought. You, you use your, your thoughts are so much clearer because you're so into the habit of writing and writing it out that A, it gets out on a piece of paper and B, you're able to look at it and adjust it and clarify your thinking, building distinctions into your own mind, preparing yourself for the next time it happens. So the next time you judge that person and you were wrong and you feel terrible about it, when it goes on a piece of paper, you're more aware when it comes again so that you can adapt to it. Now, this is critical because what we're going to try to do next week is ritual building. Because if you want to get into changing, we've got to get into coding. And mental coding requires building rituals. If you want to code a computer, if you want to change your computer, someone needs to know how to code it. That, the th what we're doing right now is the, is the, well, the reason why me and you are connecting right now via video is because somebody somewhere run, sat down in front of a screen and typed in code. If we want to learn how to code our brains, we have to learn how to code. So when you code a computer, there's a language you learn and you type on keys. If you sit in front of a screen and stare at it 
I don't care if you know the language, it's not going to change. You have to understand, unless you type on keys, that computer ain't changing. To code our own minds, we have to learn how our system works. And the way our system works is through thought. And thought takes place by using our hands and our eyes and our ears and our mouths because all the things that we have are really just funneling back into the computer called the mind. And when everything is working together, when our arms and legs and our emotions and our eyes and senses are all working in unison, we're coding our lives. And if you code your life and you keep at it long enough, your brain begins to shift and over time, you begin to change. That's where change comes from. It doesn't come from an emotion. It doesn't come from being inspired. Being inspired lasts for as long as it lasts. That's why we can't get anything done. Because every time we're inspired, we think that's it. And then inspiration goes away. Inspiration is just like a momentary feeling. And it feels great when life is amazing. But as soon as life gets hard, it stops feeling great. We change when our brain changes. We change when we learn a new language. We change when excellence is a standard that feels normal to us. That's change. Change is when what feels normal is a standard of excellence. That's a different level now. Now you incline to excellence. That's how you go a distance in life. That's what growth looks like. That's what growth feels like. And the best example of this is long distance running. I think I did this once. I don't know what I do. But thank you, Richard, for the, in, the ability to say things twice. It's a, this is the perfect example as a long distance runner. You did this yesterday a little bit. You start walking, it's painful. You keep at it, your muscles start to adapt. Your brain starts to adapt. When I ran long distances a few years ago, and I was training myself, I learned that when I feel like I can't breathe in the first five minutes, that's sort of normal, obviously within, within measure. That's normal because my lungs are adapting. I didn't know that in the beginning. And then I learned it. And my brain went from, oh my gosh, your breathing is changing. You got to stop to your breathing is changing. You're just beginning. Stick this out. And that just became more normalized. And after months of doing this, as I started to, to, to run in the beginning, I didn't even think of stopping in the beginning. I didn't get necessarily like, oh, this feels amazing. So when, I'm, when, when a person who has trained for long distances is in mile 12 and feels amazing because the endorphins are flying and he can go or she can go 20 miles and she's in 12 and the music is playing and things are amazing and the whole, everything is right with the world. Well, what happened six months earlier when, when that person was in mile one, they were like going out of their mind. They were, they were, they were like writing their will. I thought they were going to die. What happened? The habits, the body, and the mind have worked together to change the muscles and how they interact, how the breathing works, all being based on the computer here sending signals to your body. So now all that happened was you set the standard of excellence here, and what feels normal now is running 12, is 12 miles. When a person trains themselves to eat healthy and starts to enjoy fruit, this happens all the time in people diet. They start enjoying fruit. 
the guy next to him is like, fruit, are you out of your mind? Pass the chocolate bar. They're both sitting at a meal. One person's eating a banana. One person's eating a chocolate bar. They're both getting the same level of pleasure. Maybe there's a little bit more going on in dopamine. In the, it doesn't matter. They're both saying, this is delicious. What changed? The person over here worked on their brains, kept the habit developed the sensitivity to taste the things that were more natural by getting rid of that which was more synthetic. And now you're here. And all that's mattered is your standard of excellence has changed. But your body, your mind, you've coded your brain to feel similar levels of, of normalcy, but the standard is higher. That's how you, my opinion, you break. That's what change looks like. That's why it's called change. It's not I have to force myself to eat a banana every three months when my belt is too tight and I feel guilty. That's not change. You're still the same person. You're just forcing yourself to do what you don't want to do. If you're still in the same if – you're, if you're giving your wife the same line that you gave her 20 years ago, if you're still unable to connect, if you're still in the same job, if we're still the same person, after a decade, we haven't changed. Maybe we know now a little bit more, but we haven't actually shifted our brains. So what we have to work on together is the coding. And coding requires thought. And thought requires articulation. A general thought in my head is not as powerful as an articulate thought out of my mouth. Because when I have the I have to force my brain to take that general thought and bring it down and put it out of my mouth. I have to articulate the words and I have to use more brain power to speak than to think. So I'm solidifying and solidifying and solidifying. There's a lot of research. I don't have time. I'm sorry. Almost 920 on the power of speech. Even if you don't believe it, I'm sure we did it here already. How just saying words, affirmations have, has a lot of research behind it. Affirmations isn't just like hokey pokey. It's not like, you know, some, we can take, you can take everything to like a level of like, you know, heebie-jeebie, hokey-pokey, but like there's a lot of research behind affirmations because just by saying things, even if you don't believe them, you're triggering neuroplasticity into your mind. So I implore both of us, me and you together, we're on the same team here. Let's develop a habit. Exactly. The world is created with words. We can talk about words. Let's develop a habit together on the show. Let's find, let's find five minutes in our day. Same time. Five minutes. Let's commit to writing a page a day. A half a page on the computer. Every day. Let's without making a vow. Let's do this. Let's change for real. Let's use this as a way to not just listen to each other, but to actually change. We write a page a day as to thinking, what we're doing. We start to develop a habit of articulating ourselves through words. We'll start to figure out a way to connect. We're going to make that, that, that code more articulate. And then we'll be able to... Thank you, Liron. Liron's in. Liron's in. Who else is in? Stick with me. Let's do it a day. And what will happen is day after day after day, we'll build this journal together. And I'm sure here's what's going to happen. Stick with me. One day we're going to be together. I don't care how many people, God's up, I hope people are watching. We're going to be live one day in a room 
and we're going to bring our journals with us, our books of the years, of the months, of the weeks of writing in thoughts, of trying to articulate ourselves, of trying to understand ourselves. We're going to try and we're going to have, and these are the greatest books in the world. I believe in my core. They say that by the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, God has a book. Let's have books too. Let's stand before God every day, and especially as in the high holidays, and wherever you are, even if you're not Jewish, wherever it is that you, whenever it is that your moment where you stand before God, and it doesn't have to be in a synagogue, it could be in your kitchen, it could be in your backyard. God's everywhere. At some point, we're going to stand before God and say, "You got a book, I got a book. I've been working my life. I'm, I'm not perfect, but I got a book." And then maybe we can. That this will be step one. And then that book will keep on growing together. You know what? Maybe I'll talk to Andy about getting us. One day, we'll, maybe we'll have, you know, books that we'll make up for each other. But until then, with God's help, Lee Nedder, I'll commit if you commit. We'll start writing every day a little bit, a habit. A little habit every day, five minutes, 10 minutes, one page. And we'll see how we're doing. And until now, I wish you an incredible weekend. I hope it's wonderful wherever you are. Shabbat Shalom. And uh, may this week weekend be one that brings you peace, wisdom, understanding, and thank you so much for the, for the week. Now, you don't know how much I look forward to this. You don't know how much I enjoy the people that are with me live, the people that are with me on Instagram and on YouTube and, and the Facebook and the comments. When I go through it and scroll through it, you don't realize how much encouragement it gives me. So thank you. And I appreciate it. And with God's help, I cannot wait to see you again on Sunday. Okay, have a great weekend. Shabbat shalom.